Hello, everyone. You're listening to Elisa Unfiltered Living Life Out Loud, the podcast. My name is Elisa curry and I am here today speaking from the heart to inspire and motivate you to be your best self. There is so much more to life than the nine to five daily grind, and I want to share all of my secrets with you. So let's get started. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode 152 of the Elisa Unfiltered podcast. My name is Elisa and today it is Wednesday, March the 1st. We're in March, people. Spring is in the air and I don't know about you, but I feel as though... I don't think I've ever been so excited for spring in my whole life. Does anyone else have that, you know, really good feeling in the air, like something great is coming? Ugh, I hope so. (laughs) On the show today is health and weight loss coach Tara Ryan. And in this episode, we are covering everything from mindset to marketing to diet culture myths about your health and health goals. Yes, this podcast does speak about weight loss, food, and ideological views around what, where, how much we consume. And our goal prior to sitting down and having this conversation was to point out the hidden and highly controversial narratives that are affecting your health in today's climate. It's a juicy episode, people. (laughs) Tara specializes in the area of metabolic health and weight loss, and she empowers clients to reach their goals without restrictive dieting by guiding them to eat healthy, realistic habits that they can be consistent with. Oh, I just love her stuff on Instagram. And over the last year or so, we have really been quite aligned with our views overall on food and on health. Her number one goal is to take the overwhelm, take the overwhelm and confusion out of healthy eating and healthy living and help people feel empowered, capable, and confident in achieving and maintaining their health and weight loss goals, right? That's what we want. We want to feel empowered and motivated and inspired. And she is doing just that. So If you're ready to go below the surface, because we absolutely touch some dark, some darkness (laughs) and start to hear a new perspective on health, wellness, and the role you subconsciously play in yours, then this podcast is for you. Are you ready? Let's get started. Here is Tara Ryan. Hey, Tara. So nice to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. I feel like you are probably the first health and weight loss coach I've ever had, to be honest. Yeah. Isn't that like, isn't that wild? It surprises me a bit looking at your content and stuff. Like you have, you're very health oriented and um, you, you know, I've noticed from stuff you've posted, like you've gone through your own weight loss journey and stuff. So yeah. 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 Well, I've also, well, I've had people who are like anti-diet diet people and like definitely like the peripheral of the subject. But I think today I'm really excited to pick your brain about health and weight loss and you're the perfect person to shoot the shit with. So like, we're going to get right into it (laughs) because (laughs) I'm like, what's my first question? 
My, I, the first thing I want to ask you is, Tara, what is healthy in 2023? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to be healthy? That's a really great question. I think that health has gotten so complicated, right? And that's what keeps people stuck is because I think that there's billions of dollars and a lot of incentivization to keep us confused, right? But I don't think it needs to be confusing. I think that there that to be healthy, obviously physically healthy, but to be mentally healthy, to be we, you know, I think so many people are suffering today from like depression and anxiety and all of these mental health issues on top of physical health. And I, you know, I'm very integrative in my approach and I believe it's sort of all connected. So I think that true health is, you know, I'm sure you've heard the term, it's not just the absence of disease, it's living vibrantly, it's having energy, it's able to think clearly, it's being able to handle stress, it's Mm -hmm. feeling good about ourselves, having a positive outlook, you know, a strong mindset to get us out of, you know, human beings were prone to, um, you clearly know this, but we're prone to look for the negative, right? Or we're, we're, um, we're wired to kind of keep an eye out for what's what's wrong, what's going wrong as a survival technique. And so I think we need a strong mindset as well to really feel feel and live our best life. It's so true, eh? The the idea of threat and looking for threat in all the dark corners and stretching so far down the road just to like keep us stuck and still where we are in this moment. Yeah. It's so yeah. interesting how we do that with our health. Yeah. Yeah. And how that's really supported. It's supported Mm -hmm. in the media. It's supported in the, in the, everything that we're consuming in marketing, in the, in the big corporate narratives is like, beware, be afraid, always, you know, keep one eye open (laughs) when you sleep. Absolutely. Like you're, um, I remember when I started following you or, you know, we connected, um, yeah. you were, you're so kind to help me when I got, my account got hacked, my old account and seeing that you don't follow the news or you stopped watching the news. Now that's something I stopped doing years ago and felt very judged, you know, for that, because it, it looks like it's an ignorant thing to do, right? It looks like yeah. you're just, but it was a very conscious choice that I made because I don't think that, you know, it, like it's all based on fear. And I'm trying to keep my mental wealth, my mental health very strong. And I don't need those outside influences. It doesn't mean I'm ignorant to what's going on in the world, but I'm also not going to, you know, I think that we're every single day we are primed, whether we recognize it or not, you're primed from the news, you're primed from social media, you're primed from so many outlets. But when we don't take that time to prime ourselves to, you know, stop fill our, or, you know, I start my day with, you know, reading my own sort of positive mantras, if you will, you know, yeah. to prime myself, because as we talked about, the, the mind can go negative very quickly. And so I work hard to, to keep a positive mindset. Um, I've struggled with it in the past, you know, depression, I was on antidepressants for years. And I've done a lot of work with therapists. I've gone to self-help seminars. I've read so many books. So I, I I work hard at that. And I think that that going back to your original question, I think that's a big part of health. Um, it's not just being a size six or whatever the, the magazines tell you to be. So these are things, everything you just said is, are things that people know. I believe that the vast majority of listeners, they know that the media is maybe not 
positive that is maybe affecting their mental health. They know what health means. They have a really good idea of what they need to be doing to be healthy or the things or the habits or behaviors that they're doing that are kind of keeping them in a low vibrational place, if you want to say, or an unhealthy place. Like everyone, I believe that most people kind of know that, mm-hmm. right? Would you say? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of know. Why is it that when we know what's unhealthy, mm-hmm. that we stay in those behaviors? Why is it that we resist change? Okay, so I would say that there's two parts to that. First part is, I think, a lot with what you deal with, mindset part. And that's why half of my program, um, when I coach people, we deal with the mindset. I think that's huge, right? You're dealing with ego. You're dealing with fear of failure. You're dealing with wanting to, all those survival techniques that served our ancestors very well, keeping them safe. Now they hinder our life. We don't have the threats we once had. We don't have scarcity. We have abundance. So all of these things are working, all of our survival techniques of the past are working against us now. And so I, so I think that there's that. I think that we don't, most people don't recognize that what's going on is this internal battle between growth and comfort, right? And so instead what they do, so they start to self-sabotage because they don't understand the p- patterns of behavior. Then it turns internal. Then we start to blame ourselves. We start to shame ourselves thinking there's something wrong with us. No, this is this is being human, right? You need to just learn to recognize these behaviors. So I, I explain it often like a... Um, an iceberg, right? The the top of the iceberg is like, yes, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. It's going to be healthy. Yes. Awesome. But underneath lurking there is your self-sabotaging behaviors. It's all your limiting beliefs. It's all of your fears. And if you don't know they're there, what's going to happen? You're going to crash in. You're going to sink and all of your efforts will be for naught and you will turn it inwards and you'll blame yourself. So I think you, so I help to, to teach my clients to go around the iceberg. How do we do that? Right. And then the second piece of, you know, why we don't get out of it is, these foods, these processed foods, of so processed foods are about 70% of our diet today. They are designed by very smart food scientists to be addictive, to mess with your hunger signals, to mess with your fullness signals, mess with your hormones. And all of these things keep you addicted. They keep you in this cycle. It's very difficult. I think of them as drugs. You know, I think people think I'm a little extreme when I say, say sugar is a drug. But if you compare, right, it's addictive. It's very, very hard to give up. It causes disease. It is so hard to give up these foods that we often turn to to deal with stress. We turn to them when things are hard, when we're overwhelmed, because they're designed to send, you know, it's called the bliss point and scientists, the food scientists notice. And so they specifically create these foods to set off that bliss point in the brain. And what that does is it releases dopamine. You immediately feel better. And so now the brain has learned, right? The brain's very adaptive. It learns, okay, when I feel bad, I'm going to go back to the cookie jar. And that is a very difficult thing to combat when you're not changing what you're eating, when you're staying stuck. Like, it's like saying I'm trying to quit smoking, but I'm still going to have a couple cigarettes here and there. It's going to be really hard to quit smoking completely and to get rid of the cravings until you get it out of your system. And so I'm not saying I'm not about severe restriction. So I don't want it to come across like that, but it is about um, training our body, getting used to natural foods again, retraining our palate Yes. And just getting back to, to eating whole foods that our bodies don't create addictions around. So I think it's those two things that, that keep people stuck. I really want to talk about the over-processed food thing. 70% yes. of our diets, is that like North America? 
Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's, yeah, it was, I heard it more on an American study, but you know, I feel like Canada and America, I think we're probably pretty close I in think comparison. We're pretty close too, I would imagine. Yeah. 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 So I have a problem <laughs> with, with over-processed foods because, and, and you know what, there's a lot of hypocrisy in growth as you mm-hmm. go through, as you start growing, And you start to expand your views on things as you start to develop your knowing. Developing your knowing is one of the most important things in the intuitive awareness space. What I teach is like, sure, you can read all of the things. You can see it at at a educational level, but until you put it into practice and observe your practice and go through the motions, it's very difficult for you to grow so Mm -hmm. and develop your knowing so for example i like to use the thing you can learn everything there is to know about swimming Mm -hmm. but what if someone was to push you into the deep end if you have never gone swimming before what's going to happen you can have all the knowledge on all of the things but until you put it into practice things might get messy Like you might have a very difficult time and a very difficult view on what swimming really is when you're actually in the water, in the storm, treading for hours, for days, you're going to have a very different idea of what swimming is. Okay. So there's that element when it comes to eating and your diet, I come from the camp of, of a person who ate super processed foods got really sick and overweight. I was 240 pounds. I was depressed. Mm -hmm. I was taking depression medication. I got Mm -hmm. addicted to Effexor 150. I took 150 milligrams of Effexor every single day. And if I didn't take it on the minute, I started having extreme side effects. People Mm -hmm. said I wasn't addicted and there's a big difference. And there's a lot of stigma around SSRIs and around antidepressants and all of this stuff. And I was like, I bought into that, that I was depressed and this is what's going to help me and save me and victim mentality. Now, is that everyone? No, that was me. I'm speaking on my side. I was, I was in an abusive relationship. I was constantly self-sabotaging. I was yo-yo dieting, binge restrict, eating and like restricting being so good. I'm a good girl. I am this, I am that. And then I would go in the car and shove McDonald's down my throat as fast as I could fucking possibly do it so that no one would see. I would get home and then just eat a little bit on my plate. Look at how good I'm being. Oh, I'm full. <laughs> Meanwhile, I had literally eaten a foot long sub like 20 minutes before, but I just wanted the outside world to see how good I was. And inside is like this intense battle, this intense thing. And, and I, I felt really alone in my suffering and why can't I be like everyone else? And then social media started to happen. And you're like watching all these skinny people doing all these things. And I wanted to be that. And why am I, and and you just shame cycle. And it was this like repetitive loop that I looped in forever. It was like, I don't know, eight years, six to eight years of just looping in this. And then I had a wake up call. And of course, in that time, how many times do you wake up? A lot. 
And then you fall right back to sleep. You just keep doing the same repetitive things over and over again. Some people need to hit a rock bottom. I don't know. I'm babbling. So fast forward. Then I swung the pendulum to the opposite end where I started to be a clean eater. I was gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free, caffeine-free, alcohol-free, clean diet. Look at me on my righteous Mm -hmm. high horse. I'm better than you because of look at me. And I lost all this weight and I stayed in, uh, I like, sure. I did feel confident in a thinner body, but it was never thin enough. I was always looking at myself, critiquing myself in the exact same way. I looped in the same thoughts, but now I was like more on the orthorexic scale. Mm -hmm. And it was like this really interesting thing when I started to observe, which was like not that long ago, like three years, right before the pandemic, I had a little voice that was like, Elisa, this is the same, same, babe, same, same. So I had to take another zoom out and really take a look at the beliefs that I was, that I was, you know, in (laughs) the the (laughs) narratives that I was attaching meaning to and just looking at my life. Cause yeah, I was in a thinner body and eating clean, but I was very unhealthy. And that's where like that mental, emotional side was I like, it was swinging back and forth. Like, you know, the mental and emotional part is like super big. So sorry, I'm babbling. I'm going to, uh, there is a question here. (laughs) (laughs) Once I kind of broke out of that, I started to think processed food was okay. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the devil that everyone else makes it to be. Because I, and then I started eating a lot of it. And guess what happened? I gained weight. I started feeling depressed. Mm -hmm. I started to not want to work out. I started Mm -hmm. to want to, I started to justify watching Netflix. Mm -hmm. I started to go back into that place. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This is, this is so sorry. Yeah, yeah, go, 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 go. So this is, this is it in a nutshell for me. So yeah, so I, yes, I want to help women lose weight because I know the pain, the pain I was, I know the pain of having extra weight and feel. So first and foremost, I want to help women with that. But my sort of like, what I want to sneak in the back door, you know, because what's more, what I'm more passionate about is getting women out of that cycle of disempowerment. You are we don't, th- I think that because we're never taught or we never learned that how powerful food is when it comes to all the things you just mentioned, food, what we eat determines how much we eat. It determines our energy levels. It determines how well our metabolisms work, how well our hormones work, all of these things. If, you know, in fact, sugar is a perfect example. Sugar slows your metabolism and actually makes you have less energy and makes it harder for you to work out. So of course, eating more processed yeah. food. You know, now, yes, not all processed foods are the devil. And I understand that people, you know, need to rely on some here and there, right? It's it's very challenging. And, but I would say, you know, go to, towards the minimally processed versus the ultra processed foods. And, and so going back to, so yes, I want to help women 
you know, achieve their goals that are first and foremost in their mind. And why I want to do that is because when you are focused and obsessing over food and what you're eating, you know, you touched on the the idea, like I'm better than you if I'm, you know, if I'm eating a certain way, like we think that because we're taught that we're taught that we're morally better if we're thinner, if we're, you know, if we eat a certain way. Right. And so I'm trying to get women to realize, okay, one, it's not your fault. First of all, like, let's get, let's get the whole diet, diet culture industry. This is why you're feeling this way. This is not an internal flaw. It's when you can stop being obsessed about food, when you start to eat food that allows you to feel your best, right? To feel less depressed, to feel less anxious, to have more energy, to want to get out there um, and move your body. Cause I think movement exercise can be intimidating, but movement, I mean, we are designed to move any, everybody feels it, right? If you sat for too long, you need to move. And when you can shed the weight when you can shed and it's not necessarily about weight but for most of the women I work with they come to me for that reason and and they always leave feeling like oh I gained so much more you know and I'm happy that I lost weight but also I feel that weight of constantly worrying about food constantly obsessing the emotional and mental weight is like almost the burden that you need to overcome before the physical weight is able to melt off of you. Totally. I think that we carry so much emotional weight. And so exactly. And it, it burdens you and it weighs you down and it makes it really challenging to reach your goals because you're just beating yourself up all the time. Right. So my, the first part, I always want to try and educate people like this, your body's just responding perfectly naturally to the food you've been eating. You're not doing anything wrong. It is very difficult to like, the reason most diets fail is because we don't, you know, most people get that same cookie cutter advice. Let's uh, eat less, exercise more, cut calories. Now, if you're not addressing the the reason why your body's craving more calories than it needs, it's an, it will never, it's not going to be sustainable. That's like saying, um, you know, only take 15 breaths a minute when you're used to taking 20. Well, eventually, sure, you might be able to do it for a little while, but eventually you're going to be gasping for air. You need to figure out the reason why your body's craving more calories than it desires. And that comes back to what you're eating, because what you're eating determines how much you're eating, determines how much food you crave, um, affects your hormones, determines how much or what you will store as fat. So, you know, to loop back around to your processed food comment, like, we need to understand that our food sort of, you know, I heard the term before it's been weaponized. It's, it's hurting us and it's, you know, it's created so that it's profitable. It's created um, so that it's addictive, but it's made of three main, you know, three main things, highly processed grains, which, you know, now the fiber has been removed. And so it essentially turns into a sugar bomb and your body becomes very highly addictive and creates inflammation So that's the majority of processed foods have some sort of refined grain in there because they're cheap to produce. Second one would be added sugar. You know, added sugar helps shelf stability. It it acts as a preservative. It obviously makes food more addictive. So that's in our in processed food. And then the third component is seed oils or seed oils. So seed oils are, you know, I believe they were introduced in 1909. They're about 100 years old. But now they're the primary cause, a primary source of fat for most people. Mm -hmm. But they're very, very highly inflammatory, as you know, and and really, really unhealthy. So we're eating these foods that are attacking our cells. They're not letting us thrive. They keep us tired, sick, depressed. And who, when they're tired, sick and depressed and stressed out, is going to have the motivation and 
the will to change, right? That So you just get stuck. So it's how do we make it doable? How do you get out of that cycle of processed foods to get the energy to have the, the will to change, I, I suppose? Absolutely. Okay. So let's talk about those three ingredients. Um, throughout my life, observing diet culture and the shifts in diet and what works and what doesn't and be a vegan, do keto, be vegetarian, eggs are bad, butter's bad, whatever. (laughs) Like there's always like fads, there's diet fads and it's really confusing. And I think the food industry creates this almost to confuse you even more. And when you look at the three ingredients that are in the vast majority of the most unhealthy population, which is becoming North America, is mm-hmm. those three things. So right. I find it really interesting because, and and I find it interesting that just saying that is controversial. People yeah. are going to have their backs up and be like, whoa, wait a second. You're being racist. You're being, you have white privilege and they're starting to add all these labels. You're, you're against body positivity. You're fat shaming. There's mm-hmm. all of these terms that are being thrown out. And I, I just want to like take a, a really like zoom out approach here and say, first of all, I have lived in an obese body mm-hmm. for a long time. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of trauma in my life. I have a lot of things that have happened mm-hmm. to me. I have, mm-hmm. I've had food addictions, all of those things. I know what it feels like to live in a stagnant, unhealthy, overweight body firsthand. I know. Yeah. I, I know what it feels like to fat be fat shamed. I know what it feels like to walk down the aisle of an air, an airplane and hit every single person along the way with my flesh. I feel that. And it's shameful and sit there and just eat my bag of chips in shame in like in that, in the moment, like the, the pleasure shame thing, you're eating it. It's so pleasurable. And the second it's over, you have the shame come over these waves of like emotion, just literally my wellness was at the mercy of what I was going to eat when I was going to eat next. It's all I thought about 24 seven was how fat I was and what I was going to eat. I know this. I want to take a zoom out here because take a look at your life. If you make it personal right now, take a look at the choices that you're making. Take a look at the mental and emotional and physical health of the top 15 people in your life. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe even less, even five, the five closest people to you mm-hmm. take a look. And as the, the years go on more and more and more and more people are getting unhealthy. They're, mm-hmm. they're get people are getting sicker. They're not getting healthier with all of this health advice, with all mm-hmm. of the food labels that say Cheerios, super healthy, five gram, grams of fiber per bite eat this. It's not true. It is not healthy. It's garbage. (laughs) You have to like, look out, zoom out and see what's the trends here. What are people saying? Like, honestly, it's, it's like my ideas of body positivity and of, and all of that has shifted so much in the last few years, because ultimately People know deep down whether or not they are healthy or not. Yes, I believe in health at every size. Like my my body in perfect health is going to be different from 
you know, your body. hundred percent, hundred percent. And I, and I, I, I'm not entirely sure yet your, your stance on body positivity, but do you want to share that? Or- um, sure. Yeah, sure. sure. Okay. So, <laughs> um, feeling empowered, standing in your power, grounding in who you are and having like living your authentic truth is mm-hmm. to me, part of body positivity. Mm-hmm. It doesn't like being obese and loving yourself is, is great being mm-hmm. soup. Okay. People look at it's Okay. Oh, am I going to get myself in trouble here? <laughs> the cat's coming up. It's like, well, it's a tricky topic today. I feel like it's, it's, it's a it's tricky, tricky one. Yeah. It's tricky because when you carry excess weight, yeah. your body has a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. It's, it doesn't matter how much relationship stress you have, work stress you have, like there, you, there's stress in multiple forms, mental stress, and there's physical weight produces stress. The more fat you have, the more cholesterol in your blood, the more all of the things like the more sugar spikes you have, your glucose spikes, like that is causing stress to your body. And that is where I want to really zoom out and focus on because being obese is a stress on the body. Stress mm-hmm. is not healthy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Again, there are multiple things you can be doing in your life. I don't really buy that every single person who is obese in America in America has an obesity gene and that it's genetics. I think that that is a bought and paid for narrative similar to the margarine. Margarine's good for heart health. That's like basically to me putting canola oil. It's like deep frying your frying your toast every morning. No, like yeah. Yeah. And, and, but people buy into it, the fat free movement, people are just buying into these narratives so that they can stay the same and they can justify living the way that they live. Yeah. Holy, am I going to get murdered for this? Maybe. Cause I, so I think to take it a step further, I think body positivity, self-love, there is no reason to, so self-love is, is um, a given, right? Or, or, or being enough, I should say, is a yeah. given. You are enough as you are, wherever you are in your life. That is never in question, right? You are worthy. You are enough. You are of value. Now, I think that body positivity, as, as great as it is to feel good about yourself, does it, and this is my question, does it let people off the hook to to put in effort towards their health, to care about what's going on in their body. Because if we're just being body positive and not caring about our size, and I'm not fat shaming, I'm just saying, as you mentioned, with, you know, excess extra weight comes increased risk to many, many diseases. You can't argue that it's healthier to be obese. Now, as you mentioned, you know, everybody's got a different body size that's right for them. And so I think that to love yourself at your size all the time is wonderful. I would never take away from that. I don't think you're less of a human or of less value if you carry excess weight. Now, when it comes to your health, do I think you're as healthy? Probably not. You know, there's probably the exception here and there, but for the most part, are you healthier carrying like, and I'm talking lots of extra weight, you know? So, so it just becomes a matter of, I think it's a way it allows people maybe to like not put in the work they might otherwise feel you know, more compelled to do. Um, so that I, I just, I worry with, with that movement a little bit, just that it, 
maybe it's perpetuating. Oh, yeah. right? totally. and, and you know what, having really, really deep conversations. So when I work with clients and they want to lose weight with intuitive awareness, that's how I lost weight. I lost weight because I started to understand and zoom out on the beliefs that I had around food, my relationship to food, my relationship to exercise, my relationship to myself. We are relating with things every single day. And yep. when you can um, pay attention to the agreements that you've made, the meaning that you attach things, one of the biggest problems is that people attach, I am bad because I'm unhealthy or yes. some version of that. Yes. So food becomes moral, their weight becomes this more moral thing. And mm. the dissonance in the brain is so high that you have to justify your, your actions. People need someone to blame. They need something to shame. They can't shine the light on those dark agreements that are deep within their subconscious mind that they have learned from a very young age and take responsibility for their own actions. Absolutely. It's the hardest part. The hardest is. part is being responsible. And people think the hardest part is discipline or motivation, right? Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I'm not disciplined enough to do that. Yeah, yeah, you are. Every, yeah. that's, it, it's, yes, you are. Yes, you are. You have just, you have a subconscious agreement that needs to be healed, seen, shine a light on, worked on, and that's the growth. Right. Because there's, and I always challenge my clients on this. There, like when they say something, I don't, I don't have the discipline. I don't have the willpower. Well, first of all, it's not about that. But second of all, there is something in your life that you have been disciplined at. There's something you've prioritized. There's something you have given your all to. So this is not about your ability to have or not have discipline. This is about the stories you're selling to yourself and buying. Yes. yes. Because right? Because you are comfortable where you are, you fear the change, and perhaps you don't want to do the work. And I mean, you mentioned, you know, it took you maybe getting to rock bottom. And I'm sure you've, you've heard this, like people don't change. Often people won't change until staying where they are becomes more painful than the change, unfortunately, right? And I think with health, this is the thing for me. And I, you know, um, part of my story is watching my dad, um, who I was incredibly, incredibly close to die when I was 25, 26, yeah, just after I turned 26 of cancer, he was diagnosed within four months, he was dead watching oh. someone deteriorate mm. like that and seeing that it's not a healthcare system. It's a, I mean, you don't, you don't want to be in that position. You don't want to be going there and hoping that the doctors are going to be able to help and, and seeing the now, I'm not shaming doctors or nurses or anything, but they become, you know, they're so used to seeing it that, I mean, this is, this is your person and they're dying and, and they're so used to it. So you, when we wait, so, and this is the thing with, this is the thing with healthcare. And I read an article about the environment as well. The way human beings are, if we, if, if, if threat isn't imminent, imminent, we're not really motivated to change. So with the environment, we're all like, yeah, it probably won't happen in my lifetime. A lot of people are like that, right? Probably won't happen. I'll do what I can do, but I'm not going to make the major changes that might be necessary to heal the environment. Same is true with our health. And now I think where, you know, I always say your pain, the pain you go through in life, or I like to believe the pain, pain is part of your growth process. And I think that the, you know, your dreams kind of you're looking towards your dreams, but your pain kind of pushes you pushes you out of where you are. So hitting that rock bottom pushes people out of um, 
indifference and not doing anything about their health. But you don't, the message I like to get across is you don't want to wait till there's something wrong. You don't want to try and recover your health once you're you're once you're sick. Like, and that's the the thing that we're not taught is how to prevent illness, how to prevent um disease, you know, just feel like feeling like crap, essentially. Um yeah. everybody's you know? feeling like crap. And they the last place they want to look is their cupboard. Yeah, yes. And I think that we think that it because it's so because so many people are feeling like crap that it becomes normal. It is not normal to be constipated, right? Like so many people are constipated. It is not normal to bloat after every meal. It is not normal. All of these things that we normalize because everybody's got them. It's it's become normal to be anxious, right? There's so much anxiety. That is one of the, the most bizarre things of how people are virtue signaling their anxiety. Now I'm seeing that all the time. Their virtue, their virtue signaling their ADHD mm-hmm. their and, and we do that often with body size and weight too. It's like, I understand why we do that. We need mm-hmm. to our we're, we're in so much pain subconsciously that we need to position ourselves as the hero, as the person that's virtuous because inside we feel so shitty. Yeah. We feel and it gets so shitty on some level, right? Totally. It's like mm-hmm. I love the book uh it's called the mastery of love. It's by Don Miguel Ruiz. And in that book, this, I've told the story many times of the magical kitchen. And he talks about if love was the food in your kitchen and you, your kitchen cupboards were empty. You were starving. The fridge was empty. The pantry was empty. There was crumbs on the table. Mm-hmm. And somebody came to you with a pizza at the door and said, Hey, I will give you a slice of this pizza if you let me control you. <laughs> You're going to say, Give it to me, baby. I oh, want this. Love that analogy. Yes. So you're going to take that pizza and you're going to wait for the next mm-hmm. day. Is he going to come back? He comes back with the pizza. You're going to eat that pizza, the slow drip of this a person that's going to be responsible for your pain. Well, what happens when that person doesn't come back? What are you going to do? Now, if you reverse it, he talks about how when you have an abundance of food, meaning an abundance of love, of self-love, of self-care, of self-respect, every kind of food you can imagine, pizza, sushi, fresh fruits and vegetables, juicing, whatever you want. It's abundant in your kitchen. If that same person came to the door with the pizza and said, Hey, I'll give you this pizza. If I can control you, Mm -hmm. what are you going to do? No, I don't need your pizza, but you know what? Come on in, come on into my abundance and love and join me in this love. That Mm -hmm. is, that is that story landed so deeply. (laughs) I'm just like, Oh, preach, preach. Because I feel like these foods keep us controlled. You know, I've often said that diet culture and diet foods and all of these things, it's almost like this oppression of women in the sense that if we can stay under that thumb of focus, like put all your energy towards losing weight, put all your energy into eating less, being smaller, you know, you know, all of these things, 
are you going to, are you going to put energy into becoming your highest self? Are you going to put energy into seeking out what you want to do with your life? It becomes this thing that we get controlled over and it takes up so much of our energy and of our life. And I know for me for years, like I look back on my twenties and out with friends and that should have been like such a fun part of my life. And I was so obsessed with losing weight that like being out with my friends, I was just like, she's so thin. Oh, she, oh, I'm just comparing myself and being depressed and going home and like, I remember just one day, like all I ate was watermelon like that. Cause I, I'd read watermelon didn't have a lot of calories, right? Like just like these crazy things that of course you're not thinking probably wasn't thinking about like, huh, how do I want to contribute to the world? What am I, you, you don't have space for that. Um, and so these foods, not only are they making us sick and overweight, they are robbing us, I think of the potential for our life. Ooh, that's deep. And, and the potential to love ourselves and accept us for who we are, because when you start to fill your own kitchen with Mm -hmm. love and abundance, that Mm -hmm. is when the, the layers of I'm not disciplined, I'm not motivated. Those disappear. They don't even be They're They're not even on your radar anymore. And Sorry, you just become disciplined. You become motivated because you feel so damn good. Yes, feel so good. And you're filling your own cup and you're acknowledging that, sure, life is hard. Sure, we have stress. And I'm going to learn these ways to take care of myself and fill my kitchen back up when, when it, when the food runs out a little bit, oh shit, I need to like self-care and like fill my cup. Mm-hmm. And I think when you approach it out of, so one, two, two things, I think it's difficult for people to believe that I'll actually start to crave healthy foods or that the, the, the yeah. process won't be as delicious. And I love it. When I get to that point with working with a client, they're like, Oh my God, I like didn't want the cake or I didn't want the, it just didn't even appeal to me. And I was craving vegetables and I was yep. like, yeah. Um, but the other thing is I always say like, let's approach this from self-love instead of self-hate. So if you think about anything in your life, right. Or like the, when you love somebody, uh, you know, when you love, you know, Michael, your parents, all of these things, you, what you will do for them is endless, right? You will, if you're, even if you're tired and they need something out of love, you will do that. It's very unconditional. Absolutely. There's no condition to it. Yeah. No condition. And so we need to approach our own healing journey that way. We need to love ourselves to better health. Cause when you try and do it through hate, I mean, we've all been there shaming ourselves, blaming ourselves, looking in the mirror. I used to like on repeat was like, you're so disgusting. You're so disgusting. Like how I can't is- believe you ate that. I can't believe you counting right. calories. You need to earn right. that. Oh my God, okay. I need to run 20K tomorrow. Oh my gosh, I have to work out. Like all and of we're, Yes, and we're taught this is the way to get it. Shame yeah. yourself, blame yourself. And I don't know if you've heard the analogy um, of like if you were given a car, if you at 16, you're given this brand new car, somebody hands it to you free your dream car and says, this is yours for free. The only, the only, um, the catch is that when this car dies, you will never get another car again. So, you know, how, how well would you take care of that car? You know, this is your, your vehicle for getting through this life. Are you going to neglect the car? Are you going to give it, you know, are you never going to, are you going to skip the oil changes all the time? Are you going to let it sit stagnant in the driveway, never drive it? Are you going to keep garbage in it? Are you all of these things? Right. And I think that it's such a great reflection of, yeah, it is. I like that a lot of what we like how our society values things over health 
because, you know, if you were given that, you would take such good care of that car, right? You'd be like waxing it and shining it because without it, you have no vehicle to get through, like a literal vehicle to get through this life. But our body is like a gift that's been given to, given to us. And we have that same responsibility to take good care of it because without it, I mean, even with it and like, think of an old jalopy car, right? Like how would that affect your road trip? If you're going on a road trip in a beautiful, like pristine car versus like a car that's like, pup, 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 pup. like it's going to affect your- I want a luxury vehicle for life. Like, let's be honest, heated yes. steering wheel, freaking cruise control, baby. And I'm going to take care of it. Yes. Yes. And because think of even how your mindset would be in an old car driving across country. You'd be like, well, this I'm uncomfortable. I don't, we don't have enough energy, like gas really to get, you know, you would probably break down. Like it's not going to be an enjoyable drive. Whereas like you said, if you're in this luxury vehicle, you're going to be happier. And so yeah. you, need, you need to start this revolution of like, you know, let's prioritize, let's make this our top priority. Like my dad used to always say, without your health, you have nothing. Um, and it is, you know, and of course, like watching him go through his illness, like he had esophageal cancer. So from very, very early on, I don't know how they didn't catch it before, but he, he went to the doctor because he couldn't swallow. So he basically, I mean, he tried to have insure, but he basically starved to death. And so he couldn't eat, he'd try and eat and he, you know, oh it's, my gosh. It's awful. It's awful, awful. And you just, you don't have anything without your health. You really don't. And I hate that I witnessed that. I hate not having him, but it's like, it's still, gosh, it was 19 years, but I still, I feel like I went through that for a reason because there's a bigger message there. It's, you know, we have to prioritize our health. It is all we have. It's all we have. Everything else doesn't matter. It's very impactful. And even like starting off with not watching the news, how does not watching the news impact your health? Well, how it impact my health was a, I wasn't subjected to the fear, the constant fear narratives. I like, I not watching the news is a double whammy. First, you don't have a biased narrative, one-sided constantly in your ear. Mm-hmm. Two, you don't hear the commercials. Oh my God. So true. I hadn't food thought of that. commercials are poisoning are your mind. And the funny thing is there's three ways that beliefs are formed. One of the ways is through repetition. All you need to do is hear it over and over and over again. That's how you learned English. That's how you learn to agree to the English language. That's how you learned what was good, what was bad. You don't be a bad girl. Don't be a good girl. Your parents over and over. It's domestication. We are domesticated and our commercials are domesticating us. They're teaching us. And even if you don't believe it, if you just see it enough times, if you see a celebrity endorse it now, or you see like a whole bunch of people over there talking about it, you're going to start to believe it, whether it's fucking true or not true. And just silencing that noise and starting to like listen to your body because your body is giving cues 100% of the time. And I guarantee if you live in a body that's fed primarily by processed foods, you have a very little to 0% gauge of hunger cues and, and fullness cues. Your hunger cue will be, I'm starving. That's the only one you're going to really hear. Mm -hmm. 100%. So, um, what you eat 
will affect your hormones, which will affect your hunger cues and your fullness hormones. It will affect your cravings, which will affect what you eat next, which will affect how your body stores fat. If you are chronically nutrient deficient, which you will be if primar- your most of your diet comes from a processed processed food, yeah. your body's in this massive calorie deficiency, sorry, not calorie, de- uh, mi- uh, micronutrient deficiency. Okay. We get micronutrients. These are our antioxidants, our vitamins, our minerals, um, phytochemicals, which are just from plants. Our body needs these in high amounts to function properly. And so when we're nutrient deficient, your your body's just in this perpetual state of hunger. Because how does your body know to get these nutrients? Signals hunger, eat more, eat more, get, give me the nutrients, but we don't reach for healthy, nutritious, whole foods. Typically we're going back to the cookie jar or we're having a bag of chips or we're having, you know, something that's creating an even bigger gap of nutrient deficiencies. So you first have to address that. You have to get your hormones working properly. You have to make sure your hunger and your fullness signals are working properly to, to get back into eating in a way where you're, you're having, you eat a certain amount of calories and you're satisfied, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And <laughs> write it down. If you like, that's one thing people think that they're going to remember how they feel. I think the big part of like learning your relationship to food and how you actually feel is to write it down. I hate journaling. I almost yes, make fun of it. I want to make reels that make fun of it. I, 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 I'm not a journalist. Try uh, however, I have a notebook constantly that I write, like I jot. So I'm not like journaling my day, but I'll jot. And, and that's how I started to really pay attention to my relationship to food. I did this about 10 years ago is I really was like, I ate the McDonald's and I was like, whoa, I am, I want to go to bed. I would like drink alcohol and feel really hungover. And I would just justify it. Like I, I have a very, people don't realize how sophisticated their mind is in justifying their behavior and keeping them where they are. You, you might not want to feel that way, but you have a very sophisticated and probably a very good reason keeping you where you are. And your, your mind favors what's familiar. You are craving, even if you think you're craving uh, personal growth development, you know, health, weight loss, your, your, your mind is craving comfort. It's craving what it knows what's familiar, even if those things are, um, you know, very obviously toxic or detrimental to you or your health. We crave comfort and it's understand. So, you know, it's why the cycles of, you know, alcoholic, if you have alcoholic parents, you you might like marry an alcoholic, that kind of thing. It's it's because we're craving what's familiar. Yes. Um, and, and unless we're aware of those patterns, we do these things with sort of mindlessly, right? We're not uh, thinking yes. about it. Have you read um, The War of Art by Stephen no. Westfield? No. Is it awesome? It's amazing. It's amazing. Okay. Amazing. Highly, highly recommend. It's one of those, it's like each chapter is almost like a page, like it's really quick, but it's on the idea of resistance. It's all about resistance, why we feel it, how to, how to combat it. Okay. Um, and he does it in such a wonderful way. So I want to talk about the three ingredients one more time, because yes. one of the things that's been on my radar in the last um, six months for sure is glyphosate. Mm-hmm. So glyphosate is Roundup and it was introduced in the early 1990s as something that farmers would spray on wheat products, on grains, right before harvest to uh, dry it out. It's called Roundup to dry it out and uh, so that there was less mold. 
so that they could keep more of the crop and it was a more successful yield. And glyphosate is now in our diet. So we are ingesting it. Yeah. And Cheerios, they, they've tested Cheerios are one of the processed foods that come to mind that, um, you know, I've seen reports that Cheerios contain high, I don't even know if you need high amounts of glyphosate for it to be, you know, toxic, but it, it contains glyphosate. I know. So it's still, it's on, you know, certainly if you're, if the grains are not organic um, and then I don't even know anymore with like organic grains, right. Because it's been used for so long and it's in the soil. So it's really sad. It's definitely on my radar because I, was one of the people that in the early 2000s started to be gluten sensitive. Okay. I was not, I, I had a colonoscopy. I had all of the medical procedures because I thought I was a celiac. Okay. And then every now and then I could eat something like I, when I went to Europe, I could eat their fresh baked bread and have no problem. And I was like, there's no way I'm a celiac. I'm eating gluten. I'm eating this loaf of French bread. Yes. Well, the loaf of French bread in Europe at the time had no glyphosate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'd come back home and I would get really sick. So that was part of like my journey too, is I thought I was gluten-free and I went on this big gluten-free kick, be gluten-free. Yes. It was like this, it was like this righteous thing that I did. And I felt so like a good girl. I was gluten-free. Look at how good I am. I'm gluten-free. <laughs> now I eat gluten. I mean, I it, like now I'm very choosy because of the glyphosate and get this. So I think if you, if you aren't paying attention and experimenting, like the, part of the knowing is to go through these motions is to start right. paying attention. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm a chronic dieter. Yes. I yo-yo diet. So, and then, and then say, okay, well I do weight watchers and, and it works for me. Oh, does it work? You gained all the weight back. It doesn't look like it worked to me. So when you're, when you're actually like chronically dieting and saying that the diet works because you lost weight, it's like, well, it didn't work because you gained the weight. <laughs> like, I think it's changing the narrative there a and B paying attention to how you feel. What, what is, what, like, what do you want? What are your goals in life? What do you value? And start to like zoom freaking out, get this. So Michael, Maya, Michael had, uh, um, heart problems, high cholesterol and high blood pressure. And this just happened in the last couple of years. I'm not going to say what sparked it, but mm-hmm. he had, uh, to go on a statin. And it was, it was stressful. And we were like, shit, you're 36 years old. And we started to go on a heart healthy diet every three months or six months. He's getting tested. And it's the same, the same, the same, the same. Do you listen to the genius life podcast with Max Lugavere? You do. Okay. I love him. He's awesome. (laughs) He's awesome. So he talked on one of his episodes, he was talking about, you know, the bullshit narratives about cholesterol and where people get cholesterol. And he said, I did three things and it totally decreased my cholesterol very quickly. It was no more grains, no more seed oils. Mm -hmm. And, and he didn't say no sugar, but he said, eat two Brazil nuts a day. Weird. Brazil nuts has like some sort of like can I have selenium, but I don't know if, yeah, that... I think that's what it is. I think that's okay. what it is. Yeah. Okay. So we did that. And within three months, not only is his, did his blood work come back as good, low, it was yes. optimal, optimal. 
So it's just fascinating to me. So humans actually didn't evolve really to eat as much grain as we do, right? It was it was seen more as like the like it was like a, a poor poorer person food. It was like the, the richer people like ate more like meat and and um, veggies, fruits, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, in the I believe it was it was in the eighties or the nineties. You know the food pyramid. Yes, the brains is like at the top. So it came out that. Um, so that study was funded by Harvard and it was actually, sorry, it was done by Harvard funded by the sugar, sugar, the sugar companies. companies. Yes. Right? You make, so, but think of like the, the negative. So people have, we have this idea that grains are really healthy um, and, 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 and grains can be okay in a whole food diet. But the thing is most people are metabolically unhealthy to some degree at this point, right. Yes. Which just means like high blood sugar, like you said, like irregular cholesterol. Um, How many you know, people are pre-diabetic and, and very offended percent. that we're talking about this? Yes, yeah. exactly. 50% of adults today are either diabetic or, or a pre-diabetic. Wow. Uh, sorry, 25% of children are diabetic. A generation ago, it was called type uh, adult onset diabetes. They had to switch the name, right, to, to type two diabetes because children were starting to get it. It's this is all happening in conjunction with the amount of processed and sugary foods that we're eating, and we have to start paying attention to that. And it's like you say, people get offended, but I think it's going back to those belief systems. When we've been, I love you know, bamboozled long long enough, it's like it's hard to see the truth because then you have to accept the fact that oh wow, everything I've believed is is not is not it's, actually yeah and it's really um, hard it's really and hard. it's really hard it's really yeah. hard and you're metabolically when you're not functioning your body's not functioning properly it's very difficult to process sugar in any form and again because most of these grains are refined they become sugar in the body and so it's not that again you have to avoid them completely but it's just being wise to which ones to include which ones to you know how to how to consume them um you know our ancestors years ago we've we've also lost food prepping uh, techniques that our ancestors knew instinctively to do like soaking and sprouting grains. That's how they're properly, that's how they're supposed to be consumed. That's how our, that gets rid of the anti-nutrients, the lectins, the things that hurt, actually hurt your body though. Is, do you follow Dave Asprey? I don't. Okay. He's always talking about like, he's like, plants don't want you to eat their babies. So like, that's why they have these, these anti-nutrients attached to them. And so to, to get rid of them and make them more bioavailable for your body um, is to soak and sprout. And, and some people even say that the gluten sensitivity is on the rise because of this, because we're not preparing our grains. Right. And, and, um, so it's not actually the gluten sensitivity. It's more like we're just not eating these foods the way they were meant to be eaten. And there's possibly glyphosate poisoning. hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. Our foods. Do you follow the glucose queen? Uh, the goddess, glucose goddess. Glucose goddess, yes. The yes, glucose yes, goddess. yes, 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 yes. <laughs> uh, she's someone recently because, like, you know, we definitely are paying attention to glucose spikes right now. As someone who was pre diabetic herself, like in 2010, I was pre diabetic, and that was a huge kicker for me. There are mm -hmm. people that that see that as sort of like a rock bottom, which is what happened to me. I was like, oh my god. Hello, Elisa, what are you doing? And, and made uh, uh, some shifts. Okay. And sugar. I love sugar. Do I binge sugar sometimes? Totally. And I feel like garbage. So it's mm -hmm. further and further and farther between as I continue to fill my kitchen, mm -hmm. my self-love, mm -hmm. I don't want to feel that shitty mm -hmm. very mm -hmm. often. 
Mm-hmm. So the glucose goddess, she's awesome. And yes, how to manage glucose spikes. And you know what? Those, those people need megaphones because yes. they're yes. really helping the world deal with the rising cost of food, the the labels that are advertising bullshit to us. They're literally lying to you. They're Mm -hmm. literally lying to you. The studies funded by sugar companies, by big food, the big food pharma connection. Like I, those are the stories that I want to be hearing more of because we don't know. We have a veil. We don't want to lift that veil. And then what's going to happen? You get freaking sick and you say, oh, well, I was doing my best. And I was, Mm -hmm. I thought I was Mm -hmm. healthy. Oh, I thought I was doing it right. It's like, of course you did because there's only one, there's only one narrative that you're staying loyal to. You gotta like expand. I don't know. Do you want to speak to that? Yeah. Just, I think that understanding like how much all the corruption, all of the incentivized, all of the, like the whole fat free phenomenon that went on in the eighties, you know, I was buying all fat free stuff. Again, that goes back to studies that were funded again by the sugar companies to take the, the, the eyes off of sugar, put it on fat when actually we, our body needs fat. And I think when you start to peel back these layers of understanding how much it's influenced or corruptive, like I'm sure you've we heard need to this. talk about that really quickly, because yeah. there was a study that was Tough. funded by sugar mm-hmm. that the two Harvard or was it Stanford? It was Ivy League. Uh, study. They were paid yeah. $50,000. Was it like $55,000 of money? Yes. Bullshit a study and say that it was the fat yes. that was causing obesity. Yes. And, and that study shifted the entire metabolic health future of North Americans. hundred and 50%, and y'all still get, you still get resistance from people being like, oh, it's high in saturated fat, it's high in fat. Like we are still so scared of fat, even though it's like yeah. starting to become more widespread, like you need healthy fat. But the thing is, no, it's the refined grains. It's the the sugar, it's the flour. Those are the things that are hurting your body metabolically. It's not, it, and I think that again, when you start to see how much it's been corrupted, how much we've been lied to, you really do realize like, I've got to take my health in my own hands. I've got to start, you know, and like, have you um, heard it all? You know, there was like Callie means he's got a lot of publicity. I want him on my show. So man, 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 man. He He is so interesting. Yes. And, and really gives you some insight. So, you know, he worked for Coca-Cola. He was a and and just like whistleblower, right? On like the different tactics. Yeah. So and- Callie Means, the guy's name's Callie Means. He worked yeah. for he worked for Coca Cola. He's actually worked in big food and big pharma. Yeah. And done some of the deals where he was in the room, yeah. paying off marketing firms to say that drinking Coke to tell people that if they were against drinking Coke, that they were racists racist they were paid they paid off like the NAACP to attack the opponents of the sugar tax to call them racist and you know who they were they were mothers mothers trying to get sugar tax because they they you know there's too much sugar and so this whole group that was trying to boycott the sugar or trying to impose sugar taxes got attacked from coca-cola from behind the scenes because they paid NAACP NAACP to call them racist racist yeah all of these tactics that are being used to 
promote a certain agenda. And that agenda is highly processed, addictive foods that keep you sick because there's lots of money to be made there. You know, the food, the, the three, the three things that make a food satiating are protein, fiber, and water. And those three things are essentially non-existent in processed foods. So no wonder we, we overeat them, right? I thought fat made things satiating. It, it will. It, yes. Fat is also very satiating. That's a good point. But the amount of, yes. So I should be four, <laughs> four things. Okay. Um, but the typically, because the fat in processed food is of the unhealthful kind. Gotcha. It, it doesn't do the same thing. So um, because it's, an, it's creating um, oxidation within the body, it's creating inflammation within the body. Um, and it's, it's, it's driving disease as opposed to, to health. Um, but, but, you know, they, they create these foods so that, so that you stay hooked on them. And I, and I think becoming in health empowered is understanding the ways you've been sort of played, right? Because then it's, it's wanting to, okay, well, no, like, this is my one and only life, my one and only life. And I want to feel my best. I want to have the most energy. I want to show up in the best way that I can. And I think all of that comes from how we fuel ourselves. Okay. So to wrap this up, yes. if you are listening right now, if someone to all the listeners who want to lose weight, who yes. have the idea that they want to lose weight either for their health, for their vanity, it doesn't matter. Like, let's just say yeah. weight loss in general. Yeah. What is one or two things that they can do right now to mm-hmm. positively impact that goal? Okay. I'd say first, first thing you want to do, and this is might be a bit surprising one, but I want you to write down all of the things that come to mind when you think of what it's like to lose weight or what it's like to eat healthy and just brainstorm. You don't have to think too much about it. Just write down what it is that comes to mind, whether it's eating healthy, preparing healthy food and losing weight. And then any of those things that are negative that's sort of a hint as to where your limiting beliefs around either what you're capable of or um, what you're willing to put in. So say, for example, a big one I get is I don't have, it takes too much time. Okay. It takes mm-hmm. probably the number one thing. Oh, I'd love to, I'd love to do this, but I'm just too busy. So <clears throat> busy is a, a self-sabotage technique. If, if I'm busy, right. One, you can, it's going back to like, we use our, our ego is very smart. And so it's going to, it's not going to throw an excuse at you that you can tear apart. It's going to throw something at you. That's pretty justifiable. Like, yeah, I am busy. Very I sophisticated. Think, yeah. Right? It's a very yeah. sophisticated <laughs> rationale. Totally. Yeah. The thing is we are all busy. We're all busy. And, and I think that, so it's, it's, it's real. It's digging deep underneath those excuses and saying, okay, well, if I'm too busy for this, am I going to be you know, if you're not making time for it, you're making time for illness later. <laughs> do, do you have time to be sick? Right. And so I think it's just having to, first of all, like really getting clear and being willing to see what's holding you back that has nothing to do with food. Because as much as I can educate you on nutrition, like what you talked about in the beginning, with you can have all the knowledge in the world and you don't need me to find out what's you can Google has all of, you know, you could find yeah, out what's helping you already everybody. know. You, you know, don't have the knowing you don't exactly. have the doing right. You know what you, you know. don't know or what you're struggling with are these 
these underlying beliefs, this self-sabotage. And so first let's, let's first start with getting clear on that and just observe it like, and be forgiving. The first thing too, you want to do is like, okay, I see that. Okay. I've been using this excuse that I'm too busy. So instead of going to beating myself, forgive yourself, right? Just forgive yourself. It's okay. Cause I'm stressed and this is overwhelming to me. And all I'm trying to do is to feel less stressed. And so that's why I tell myself I'm too busy. So it's that forgiving. And then it's like, okay, what can I, well, what do I have time for? So always with my clients, I'm like, we think that we have to do all the things. So we get that sort of analysis paralysis and we do nothing. What I want you to do is get out of the habit of saying, I don't have time for that or I can't do it. So I'm doing nothing and say, what do I have time for? What can I do? So if I've said to you, okay, let's figure out what the right amount of water is for your body. So let's say it's eight glasses um, and you're just like, I, I don't want to drink the water. I can't, whatever that resistance is coming up. So what can you do? So I say, start with a micro step. This overrides that brain's ability to feel overwhelmed and it can't say no. If I said to you, Lisa, drink, please just drink one sip of water for me today. You, you won't be able to not drink one sip because it's too easy. And it's like the brain wants to be like, I can do yeah. that. Right. So you do it now. What scientifically proven is once you start, right? Like the object of once in, in motion will stay in motion. Once you start, that one sip is going to turn into one cup. Then you're going to drink that one cup. You're going to feel pretty good about yourself for drinking one cup. So you're going to drink another. And you might not hit your eight cups that day, but the next day you might hit three cups. And so it's stop asking or stop saying to yourself and letting yourself off the hook with your excuses and start to saying, okay, I don't, I don't actually have time to exercise today. What do I have time for? I can step outside and get some fresh air. Uh, that I can do then chances are maybe once you step outside, you're like, you know, it's really nice out here. I might take a little walk around the block. It's, it's getting into motion um, yeah. is right. My first step for walking is to put music on. Mm. It gets yeah. me at the door. I, I think, I swear to God, sustainable health for me in terms of my diet. My yeah. first step yeah. was hard boiling a dozen eggs and having them in the fridge, yeah. a quick, like high protein, quick, easy to access, satiating snack or start of the day. Like mm -hmm. that one step was super. And I, because I was like a no time, I have no money. It was like a money yeah. thing. I want to eat organic food and organic food right now is really expensive. So like Michael and I, and I know Costco is kind of the devil in a lot of people's minds, but we have, we pay for a Costco membership mm -hmm. and save thousands of dollars a year on food. We buy in bulk. We like we budget out and eat really healthy, but it is like of the utmost importance to us at yes. this, at this point in our life, our health is our wealth. And, yes. and the step one, I swear to God was those hard boiled eggs. So I think the step, you know, the two things. So one, it's like getting real, like, what are your excuses that are standing in your way? Because once you're aware of them, then you can start moving around them. That's the first step, right? Is figuring out where are my stops? Where am I, I not... Right. Then the second thing I would say, as far as nutrition and food, is similar to what you're saying with the eggs. Is I'd start with let's start with breakfast. Right. Let's actively try um, to go get away from those refined carbs type breakfasts, which again we've you know been over the last fifty years have been propagated as this is the healthy way to start your day. You know, special K um, and and yeah. white toast and bagel. Get away from that. How you start your day is going to affect your cravings and your hunger for the rest of the day. So try having more of a savory breakfast. So 
eggs, meat, you know, you can do um, like a Greek yogurt with, you can add a scoop of protein powder. I, I'm sort of a huge relier on smoothies in the morning, just because I can jam pack so much nutrients in there. Yeah, cool, cool. That's protein that starting your day again. And then it's going back to that micro step or the, you know, you start your day that way, you're more likely to make a healthful choice at lunch. You're more likely to continue your day on a healthy foot. So start with your limiting beliefs, start with what's stopping you. And then just start with breakfast. I don't want you to focus on anything else, just breakfast. And until that's, you know, you feel like I've got a good, healthy routine and it's not taking a lot of effort and it comes to you naturally, then you move on to something else. And maybe it's lunch or maybe it's snacks or, or, um, you know, whichever. Yeah. And start, I would, I would add to that a little bit. I love yeah. this advice and, and you need to observe yourself in that breakfast or doing that one thing for days, weeks, months. It's not like one day move to the next thing because you're, you have to build capacity and build your knowing and build what works for you. Like the egg eating eggs in the morning. Wasn't the first thing I tried. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> I, and I, I failed think- a little bit. I got screwed up and I was like, what the hell? And then I found the eggs. And, and just a note on the word failure, because I think that we, like a big reason that keeps people stuck is they, they see that as a fail. Oh, I tried the eggs and I didn't like it, or I did, or I did it and I did it one day and I didn't do it the next. So anytime you are learning something new, I don't care what it is, failure is going to be a part of that, yeah. right? There's a difference in failing because you're trying something new and this didn't work. Now you're one step closer to what will work. Yeah. And failing out of negligence, failing because you're not even trying, that's a whole other kind of failure. And that's a step back. And so accept that you're going to, you're not going to learn it right away. I didn't learn it right away. This was years of me reading, going to nutrition school, reading, you know, things on my own much before that out of interest, trying them. Oh, that didn't work. Oh, I'll try this. Oh, you know, it's, it takes time and you have to be patient and under and stop with this, you know, and that's again, diet culture, I would say is like, oh, lose 20 pounds in two weeks. and you know, it's it, to create a new habit takes time and, and it's okay. Failure's part of the process. It's like fail fast, fail forward, you know, just keep going. Yeah. It's developing what isn't working. Failure yeah. is information and it's That's- part of your knowing you'll start to yeah. know who you are and what yes. works for you and what doesn't work. Yes. Because even with my clients from client to client, like we're figuring out what works for their life. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this might have worked really well for me or for another client, but that might not work for you. So let's figure out what will. And so we try different things, right? Um, it's not a one, a one, one size fits all. Yeah. <laughs> stuff so- yourself into this high heel shoe size eight. Good luck. <laughs> exactly. You know? What a good analogy. Yes. Yeah. So where can people find you? All right. Uh, so Instagram sort of my fave. It's probably where I am the most. Uh, so at Tara Ryan official, um, at, on Instagram. And then I'm on Facebook, but not a ton at uh, Tara Ryan Health and my website at uh, TaraRyanHealth.com. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We've talked about a lot of stuff today. Yeah. And uh, let's hopefully everyone can join the conversations. DM either Tara or myself on Instagram. And uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Elisa. It's been wonderful. Really appreciate you having me on. 
Okay, I'm over here giving you a big virtual hug because you just finished another episode of the Elisa Unfiltered podcast. If you haven't done so yet, I'd love for you to share the love and head over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify and give this show a five-star rating. I'll give you bonus points for leaving a written review. And if you're looking for more, head over to elisaunfilteredcoaching.com for show notes and all the links to all things Elisa Unfiltered. Have the best day, everyone. Until next time. Until next time.